Hey, Kevin here at Skylabs, bringing you another video. Definitely going to be a fun one. I thought we'd go over the most requested vintage pieces of gear. Uh, we get a lot of requests for these year in, year out. This list was actually really easy to make. Uh, I could have come up with this in my sleep. And I don't think it matters if this is your first vintage stereo. Maybe you're a collector or even a flipper. This is really good information to know as... If a piece is in high demand, it's gonna make it easier to sell. And I don't think a week goes by that somebody doesn't email, call, or walk in the door and ask for one of these pieces of gear or to see if we have it. And for anybody out there that wants to play a little game, pause the video right now, jot down your picks. I'm gonna give you seven of the most requested pieces of gear and see how close our lists are. Share it in the comments down below. I'd love to read through those, it'd be fun. And I did put these in order, so number one will be the most requested. And let's start with number seven. And coming in at number seven, we have the Sansui G series. And for this one, I don't have a specific model for you. Um, a lot of people do really just want to know if we have any of the G series Sansui available. And since the G series does kind of cover a wide range, of wattage and price. Maybe the most of any vintage receivers considering the G33000 is in the same group as the G3000. And you uh, you couldn't get any further apart with those two receivers. But um, usually the inquiry is, I'm looking for a G series open to anything. The G series is kind of rare when you compare it to Pioneer or Marantz or Yamaha even. There seems to be a lot more of those out there. There's not a lot of known issues with the G-Series, especially the earlier ones, like the 3,000, 5,000, 7,000, 9,000. I don't think there was a high failure rate, which makes them rare. I kind of think they maybe just didn't sell as many as Pioneer or Marantz, and the people that have them are just hanging on to them. And the early G-Series is definitely my favorite series as well for Sansui, especially with the receivers i like the aesthetics of them i love the sound of them i like the repairability of them i like the build quality i pretty much like everything i do have a couple trivial things that do bug me uh with the bigger units and that's the inputs and the speaker outputs are on the side but there were other manufacturers that did that as well too so i see why these are in high demand i honestly think they're a little bit undervalued at least in the mid-range you know the the 3,000, 5,000, the smaller units might be a little bit undervalued when you compare them watt to watt with Marantz or maybe even some of the pioneers. And again, I don't think this is an issue whether it's your first time receiver, you're a collector or a flipper. Um, Sansui G Series, there's a lot of people looking for those. So definitely a good one to pick up for any one of those reasons. And coming in at number six, we've got Harman Kardon mainly the 430 and 730 twin. It did seem like this was more of a sleeper receiver a few years ago. And with the resurgence of this hobby, the Audio Karma community and all the technicians out there that really do praise the 430 and 730, it makes sense that people are kind of getting savvy to it now. These are some of the best receivers from the 70s. I know the value on them is starting to creep up and I know the collectability is taken off a little bit too. There's still a lot of them out there. These were well built. They sold a lot of them. We still see them on a pretty regular basis. I don't think the wells dried up yet 
on the Harmon Cardins uh, from the mid 70s, especially the twin series. So, and this whole list is not going to be about receivers only. After this next one, I do have some speakers for you as well. And at number five, we've got the mid to late 70s Pioneer. This would be the SX850 and above or the SX980 or above. And I really agree with the demand for these, especially considering the amount of numbers they sold, the quality of these pieces of equipment, everything about this era of Pioneer just checks all the boxes. Sound quality, quantity sold, build quality, looks, you name it, it's all there. And with this era of Pioneer, I really think the prices have gone up more than most of the other vintage electronics. I'm shocked a lot of times when I go to price one of these pieces of equipment because I can remember a couple years ago selling it for half the price. It's so funny because we have people come in, you know, and they say, oh, it must be great for you, you know, the price. And everybody's got eBay. Anybody can look and see what things are selling for. I have to pay more for it. You know, it, it, it's a wash. You know, it's not like the prices of vintage electronics go up and I have 10 warehouses full of vintage electronics um, just waiting to go out on the floor. It, that's not the way it works. So, um, yeah, it's great. There's a big demand for this equipment. It just means that I have to pay more for it uh, when I buy it as well. So no difference. And coming in at number four for the most requested vintage electronics we hear around the shop, Sirwin Vega. We get asked about Sirwin Vega speakers all the time. I love Sirwin Vegas. They definitely have their place. They sound great with specific styles of music. I don't think they do every kind of music well. You know, the bass on these things, um, it's insane. The efficiency is insane. And I think Sirwin Vega did something really well in that they filled maybe a void, you know, where everybody was going for flat response speakers in the upper grades of consumer speakers. I think they realized some people just want really good, loud, throw you in your seat speakers. And that's what they did. They did an amazing job of it all the way down to the orange woofer surround. I don't know anybody in the 90s that kept the grill cloths on their Sirwin Vegas. And it's just because of that silly orange foam surround on those woofers. It just looks cool. That's, that's just the way it is. I say orange, but it was actually red when it was new. It just kind of faded. I think everybody remembers them as orange now. What is that called? Um, a Mandela effect. And with Sirwin Vega... I think it really is the D, the DX, and the AT series that are the most sought after, especially if you get the walnut finish. You know, these are the quintessential frat house rock speaker. It does it better than most speakers. There are a lot of people that kind of lift their nose at Sirwin Vega. It's not a refined, flat, laid-back speaker, but Sirwin Vega figured out that not everybody wants that, and that's what you have to remember. They, they, they filled a void, and they did it really well, and I think they sold a lot of Sirwin Vegas. I bought a pair brand new in 1989, and it was a great purchase for me because at the time, that was all I listened to. 80s metal and hard rock, that's what I listened to. 
And Soren Vegas really do seem to be on the rare side considering how many of these they sold. And I do think there's a couple reasons for that. One, the wood finish on most of these is a vinyl wrap. So they didn't take to getting dinged up or banged up very well, unless they've sat in the same room for the last 40 years, which most of them haven't. Most of them have been to college and back again into somebody's basement. And then the foams did rot. And in the early 2000s, when vintage equipment wasn't cool, and you had this big, huge set of Serwin Vegas with rotted foams you know either they discarded the original woofer and put a radio shack woofer in it which we see a lot or they just threw the whole speaker away because you know they grew up and now they wanted a smaller speaker for their home theater stereo or their new lifestyle living room it happens to all of us and coming in at number three, definitely one of the most requested brands we get. This is Klipsch, mainly heresies, but we do get asked about Cornwalls quite a bit as well. And the nice thing about these speakers are they were really well made. You know, we get a lot of early Klipsch from the early 70s that are in really good shape. They used really good components. The woofers didn't rot. Klipsch just made a speaker that would stand the test of time, and they have. There's very few issues with these. If you do have issues, the other beauty with Klipsch is they still make those diaphragms for those tweeters and mid-ranges. You can buy aftermarket crossover network. Repairing a set of Klipsch, almost anybody with a simple set of tools can handle that. And I think that's why there's so many of them out there. They're just working. You know, whether or not you're a fan of Klipsch, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm just not that big of a fan of horns. We've talked about this before. I prefer the Cornwalls out of all of the clip speakers I've heard. I do like the KG series as well from the 80s, or maybe it's the 90s, I'm not sure. The Heresies, I'm not the biggest fan of, but they have a massive cult following. There's absolutely no way there could be that much demand for a speaker that people don't like. So it is purely just a taste preference. There's not a lot of companies that have the longevity that Klipsch does. By no means am I throwing shade on that brand. That That is a solid brand right there. Again, one of the best reasons for buying a set of Heresies or Cornwalls or really almost any Klipsch, you can buy it, try it, live with it for a while. There's enough demand for these that you won't have trouble selling them. No problem. And coming in at number two, I think most of you can probably predict the last two spots. This is the JBL L100. If you've been in this hobby, you know the speaker. Everybody wants this speaker or has owned this speaker. I think this mid-70s era of JBL is absolutely outstanding. From the smallest speaker to the largest speaker, they just made some very, very good sounding and looking sets of speakers. There were a lot of unique designs, whether it was just in the grill cloth, the grill cloth color. Um, they just put a little twist on a lot of standards, including the sound. You know, there, there's a JBL sound out there. I'm definitely a fan of JBL. I like the smaller speakers from this series more than the L100s. You know, like the L16s or the L26s, the little two-ways. And while these are definitely more rare, they, they sold a lot of L100s because there's still quite a bit of them out there. And I think some of this had to do with 
a little help from another manufacturer, Maxell. And with Maxell putting out maybe the most iconic stereo advertisement campaign that's ever happened with the blown away poster, I think it might have done more good for JBL than it did Maxell. A lot of people come in, they all remember that image, but a lot of people struggle with figuring out the brand behind the image. I think JBL was the winner of that ad, even though I don't think it ever said JBL on it. And I am the proud owner of an original Maxell blown away poster. I think you might be able to see it there. And people ask if it's for sale quite a bit. And no, it's not obviously, but I'm glad to own it, display it and let people see it because it is such an iconic piece of vintage stereo and advertising. And like the Clips Heresies at the number three position, um, the JBL 100s are still being made today. That's how much demand there is for these speakers, whether they're vintage or brand new. That is a cool thing about both of these sets of speakers. They're not going to go down in value because they're still being marketed. The JBL 100 and the Klipsch Heresy name is still being advertised today. So classic speakers, never going to lose value. And before I talk about the number one spot, there are no turntables on this list. And I did think about this. We just don't have a specific model that gets, you know, requested a lot. If I were to try and guess at maybe a few that we get asked about a lot, it would be like a PL530, Pioneer, Thorns TD160, and a Techniques 1200. And in the number one spot, we have our last receiver maybe the most iconic receiver, at least from the 70s, and that is the Marantz 2270. And the Marantz 2270 really has everything going for it. You know, uh, mid-70s Marantz, quality, looks, repairability, the quantity sold, so there's a lot of parts, there's a lot of good working units out there. It just, again, this one checks all those boxes especially for somebody that's shopping for a vintage, iconic piece. You know, you've got a perfect amount of watts. It's not overkill to where they're so expensive, they're just out of reach, but there's still enough power to really power most speakers out there. Every time we get one of these, you know, I get on eBay to look at comps just to see, you know, what the market's doing. You know, I'm usually shocked considering this is a a 70 watt per channel receiver that does not seem to be rare. You know, it gets the prices like it's got 125 watts per channel. When there's a product out there that is kind of legendary or maybe a holy grail in a sense, not, not in rarity, but in stature, you're going to have high demand and you're going to have a high retail price. And that's what it is with the Marantz 2270. They sound great. They look great. Great build quality. Lots of them out there maybe more aftermarket parts than most receivers. There's a lot of wins with the Marantz 2270. You won't have trouble selling it. And I just don't see it going down in value ever. And I really doubt at any point in the near future, I'll be doing a part two to this, this list. I could have made this list three or four years ago and it would be exactly the same. The only one is the Harman Kardon's kind of slipping in there a little bit, but Besides that one, these have kind of been the in-demand items ever since I've been open. A lot of times as a store owner, 
you know, you have to think about floor space and your floor space is worth money because it's rare. You only have so much floor space. So a lot of times what I will do, I can leave them in the back and maybe put a not so known piece um, out on the floor so that somebody can see something they might not know they want. And since 99% of the time when a piece of equipment comes in, you know, it takes us maybe a couple months to go through, get it all tuned up, verify everything's okay. Very, very, very rarely does something come in the back door and go straight on the floor. So a lot of times while we're waiting to service something or get it ready for the floor, somebody will ask and I'll say, well, you know, we've got one in the back. I can call you when it's done. For that reason, a lot of times they never even end up out on the floor. Sometimes I actually wait a couple days and I'll put it on the floor so we can test it, make sure everything's good with it before they come and pick it up because I don't want to just take it from the bench and hand it to the new owner. You have to run them for a couple days to see if something else is going to pop up. And in good news, there are a lot of you out there that live outside the United States that have been wanting to pick up some Skylabs products and merchandise and we haven't been able to get those products to you we went ahead and just opened up an ebay store that way through the global shipping program we can send you our items right here from west des moines to wherever you are in the world that ebay ships to so i'll have a link down in the description definitely go check it out i'm sorry this took so long but at least we have an option now so check out our ebay store really appreciate it